Guys, here we are. We are coming to you, introducing our podcast, the GPP, also known as the Ghana Paradox Podcast. And you might think, oh goodness gracious, another podcast. Here we go again. How many? First of all, we are all in different lanes and we will continue to create and produce because that's what we do. Secondly, yes, we do need another podcast and that's the reason why. We are especially diaspora, so young Ghanaians living across the world. We always say that we want to do more. We say that we need to do more. However, we also believe that it is important to have the knowledge in order to be able to do more. And we all know that our beloved country, Ghana, can be sometimes a very, how can I put it nicely, a very political place. So. Unless you know how to navigate, unless you kind of understand the politics and all the intricacies of uh, uh, the Ghanaian system, how can you make an impact to make a change? So that's why this podcast is here. This podcast is to showcase and to inform you and to bring debates and knowledge on the latest, on the latest updates when it comes to Ghanaian politics, when it comes to socioeconomic affairs, and even when it comes to culture and all aspect of uh, of the society that will have an impact not just to the people in Ghana, but also on us living here in uh, the UK, France, Brazil, Italy, and wherever all the Ghanaians are, which is all around the world. So welcome to the Ghana Paradox podcast. And uh, I would also like to introduce my great colleagues and experts on all things Ghanaian. So I'd like to open the floor to Charlene. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have kind of been following Ghanaian politics now since I was uh, a teenager, so easily 15 years. Um, you know, went on obviously to study politics at university and African politics at SOAS, um, and then moved out to Ghana for a couple of years as well, where I dabbled in continuously you know, evaluating politics as well um, when I worked for Imani and and then worked for um, Holst Ghana as well. So, um, yeah, I've seemed to not been able to shake off Ghana whenever um, the, the time has arisen. Um, and weirdly enough, I have a kind of a, a Marmite relationship with, with Ghana. <laughs> um, you just got to love love it or hate it. Sometimes you love it, sometimes you hate it. But when you hate it, it's because you love it so much. Um, and I guess that's me. And, and most people know me um, on Twitter as the Bellower. Um, and so you probably see me tweeting something or other against somebody or other. Yes, we know. For no reason. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm controversial for we no reason. But um, yeah, there's a thing, and it's, it's fun, and it's good to just challenge the status quo. Uh, if we're going to move forward, we kind of need to educate the masters um, and let them see the power that they have to change the situation as it is on the ground, really. That's me. 
Absolutely. Thanks for that, Charlene. And it's true. She's a she's the it girl of Twitter and I guess Instagram soon and everywhere. So there you go. All Ghana, all things Ghana, she does know and she is. Next on uh, yeah, next my other my next colleague. So please introduce yourself to everyone. I'm Nigel. Um similar to Charlene. Probably been interested in Ghanaian politics for about ten to twelve years now. Um, it's a love-hate affair, <laughs> but it's something that I believe that we as diasporans, we as Ghanaians, must take an interest in. Um, I'm an economist and business strategist as well, as I have a few businesses in Ghana as well. So I'm pretty back and forth between the two, two places, um, and have to navigate through the politics and business worlds in Ghana, which isn't exactly easy. Um, but I'd say if I echo what Derek said, I think that podcasts like these are necessary and important if we do really want to make an impact um, back home and in the wider continent um, to get the conversations moving, but also to get action on the ground as well. Um, we need to come together and understand how we can do that and bring it and bring some progress to to our country. So I'm looking forward to getting this moving, getting some discussions going and yeah, let's see what we can do. Thanks a lot for that, Nigel. And uh, I love that you said few businesses. I mean, please bring us in, I guess. We're all in for to need the money, so please. Um, and before I go, and before we start, I would like to also introduce myself. The name is Derek. Um, yeah, I do a few things here and there, and um, especially my love is PR and comms and strategic comms. However, I've, all, I've started having an interest in Ghana because I have gone through a journey and I've uh, really restarted to appreciate my Ghanaian roots. And uh, I've always wanted to do something more to understand it in order to make an impact. So that's where we are here. And we do believe that it's important to empower the next generation to know what's happening on our home soil. So welcome to the Ghana Paradox podcast. And uh, as we're starting, we would like to have a little review of what's happening and the week that has been in the GH. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read some of the headlines. And of course, I will have my fellow colleagues and especially expert to comment on it and to really bring the knowledge and to be an objective analysis of uh, what's happening and how this will and how it might have an impact also on uh, other Ghanaians in the diaspora and back home. So let's begin. So one of the things that are happening at the moment are reading through some of the news here and there. So I think that everyone has been uh, has been a bit panicking, saying that one of the news that's happening from uh, today is that Akuf, Nana Kufada, the Ghana president, uh, I've decided to extend the closure of Ghana borders by two weeks. So m- two more weeks to do this. And uh, apparently the extension is going to take, not apparently, the extension is going to take effect from midnight, April 5th, 2020. And we all know that our dearest Minister for Information, Koja Apong Nkrumah, said that uh, this is in order to make sure that these tough decisions are necessary to protect the lives of Ghanaians, despite the inconvenience. So, Charlene, Nigel, 
What are your thoughts in terms of the status report of where we are with COVID-19, with this, uh, the unfortunate COVID-19, how is going to cope in? Uh, and also, what do you think about this decision? Um, I'll start. So, uh, to be honest, um, I think it's been I'm a little confused. Mm. And so, if I'm a little confused, I think it's been maybe miscommunicated. <laughs> they said it's, it's been extended by um, two weeks, yeah. which would let me think that a two-week lockdown is now a one-month lockdown. But it takes effect from April the 5th, whereby you know, they've only been in lockdown for one week by that time. Um, so, it is only... if. If that makes like if I understand it correctly, it's mm-hmm. actually only a one week extension. Okay. If that's the case, then the question is what are we what are we extending it for just for one week? But um so I I, I would need and I probably no, I haven't tweeted them yet, but I will probably tweet the <laughs> Ministry of Information and get some confirmation. <laughs> I'm fan terrible. Um, <laughs> but um apart from that, listen Obviously, some of us who are in some of the world's most advanced economies are seeing how <laughs> things can go wrong um, when when not handled properly, when not addressed quickly. Um, the UK left us without a solid plan for like three weeks, I think, after the first case. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, longer after the first case, three weeks after like, the first death, yeah. something like that, um, before we actually heard the government have a plan in place for stemming uh, the virus so i have to applaud ghana because ghana for you know a Kofado has by and large put boris johnson to shame um, <laughs> that's honestly like i, I think it's, it's difficult to see any other way True. being a ghanaian sitting in london feeling like i would be safer in a third world country um is it kind of makes it kind of yeah it, it kind of does highlight um just how impressive the leadership has been so far um, mm-hmm. with regards to at least saying the right things um, and and um, trying to act fast. And I guess fear, this is really just a conversation between fear and arrogance, right? The West have been arrogant um, and, and Africa always has fear. So um, the fear of the coronavirus spreading throughout Africa is why Okofado is most likely, you know, responded in the way that he has. But I, I am actually really impressed um it, it seems like the people have responded well they recognize the importance i don't know how many people actually understand fully what is going on mm. um, but they seem to be like whenever they've been called out on um their shortcomings there has i've seen at least an immediate response so recently a journalist asked the ministry of information what about the deaf people because it doesn't seem to be communication for deaf people being put widely out there yeah literally some 24 hours later i'm seeing i'm seeing those videos everywhere um so they are responding to people calling them out for where they failed which is better than other governments around the world that's my opinion anyway and that's a very valid opinion mm-hmm. nigel no i think i'll pretty much echo what charlene has said um in this global crisis, not many governments, would we say, have done the job, essentially, in defending their nation. Um, I would say I've, I've actually been taken by surprise, um, pleasantly surprised, in fact, at how Nanako um, Frado and the MPP government have currently been working the nation through this crisis. Um, 
I didn't expect there to be such a focus on um, stemming the flow of people in, into the nation, which is where a lot of the cases were coming from as well. The boldness to do yeah. that um, was very encouraging. Um, I think initially, basically sent out a notice to stop basically anyone that had over two, 200 cases, which was pretty much everybody um, at the time, apart from other African nations, pretty much. Um, and that included the UK, the US, all the so-called bigwigs <laughs> as well. That gave me a, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence. It should probably give a lot of people um, Ghanaian descent confidence as well, that when push comes to shove, we can actually do the right thing. Um, in regards to the actual lockdown in itself, mm -hmm. um, it's an interesting one. I think having a lockdown for two weeks after, um, I think the cases at the time were about 18, 18 to 25, correct me if I'm wrong, something like that. Uh, yeah, something very low like that. It was, it was quite low at the time. I mean, if you want to be hypercritical, you could say, well, probably should have locked it down a little bit earlier if we were <laughs> going to decide to do that. But, you know, let's clap where there needs to be um, applauds. And he, he's done well. He's taken a tough decision because not many people in the country um, have been happy about it at all. I mean, we as a people, we like to be free and do what we want to do, etc. So to basically be on lockdown for two weeks... Um, you might kind of see this as some form of uh, totalitarian government. And I'm sure um, there'll be many people within the political sphere in Ghana that will spout such. Um, but I think they've done immensely well um, in trying to curb this. Although what I would say, um, and it goes back to the, the two weeks, um, when that announcement was made that we'll be going on lockdown for two weeks, the nation was given 48 hours um, to basically prepare themselves. Now, you're basically giving 48 hours to people to move out of Accra and all the other areas and go into the villages, right? Yeah. This is possibly sp spreading <laughs> the coronavirus um, across the country. Um, now, I'm not going to sit here and say I had a better idea um, because at the moment um, I don't. However, um, I did think about the fact that a lot of people would have gone down to their villages to, whether to relax, to chill, whatever it is. If we're going to be locked down for two weeks, I might as well do it in comfort. Sure. Um, now, what was put in place in regards to testing people moving, you know, moving into different different parts of the country, spreading the virus? I don't think that was well thought out in that respect. Um, and we haven't really heard much in regards to increased cases obviously we know that it's gone up to about 120 odd um which was always going to happen anyway which um, however if i may interject compared to some of the western countries such as italy or the uk as to today there was four thousand deaths i think it's a drop in the ocean and i will never make light however let's give props when we should yeah i mean it's <sighs> Yeah, it's a drop in the ocean, um, and I'm not saying we haven't done well. We we have, we have, but at the same time, I'm looking at Ghana as a nation. Okay. Um, not going to compare ourselves to anybody else. Let's just speak of the nation in itself. Um, it's just that particular bit in regards to allowing 48 hours. Like I do understand that you know you're going to have to allow people to go and get food and everything else, etc. But if we're allowing that to happen anyway, um, then possibly yeah. we could just locked it down immediately or whatever it is because there were fears I, 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 
yeah, I had calls from people in Ghana in different parts of the country that said, yeah, mm. they've had a load of people, well, an influx of people move back into the villages or into Takrade or Cape Coast and whatnot. And they were a little bit fearful because where are these guys coming from and what do they have? And it's not mm. as if we're testing in high numbers either. Um, or I don't have any information on that, maybe. Um, you two may, may have some information on that, but I don't myself. So we are doing well. Um, I mean, like I said, it was a bold decision to lock down the country, um, especially in an election year as well, because that could um, definitely go against you. Um, it was a bold decision to lock it down to pretty much everybody. Um, and also with how they dealt with um, returning Ghanaians and residents as well um, to enforce a mandatory isolation as well. Not everyone would have been happy with that. I mean, I wasn't because... Yeah, that definitely spoiled my plans. But um, <laughs> it, it was it, it was it was good because, like you said, if you do want to make a comparison at this stage, that the UK, which you know, um, Ghanaians tend to look up to for some reason, haven't done anything. Um, so I would say that Ghana and a lot of other African nations are leading the way in regards to you know just shutting down the country and trying to navigate through this um, in the best way possible and there isn't there isn't a best way it's whatever can be done from a localized perspective essentially but yeah i'd, I'd say they're doing doing a pretty good job mm. well yeah, I agree. Uh, and yeah and i do also agree on the 48 hour notice i was just like if we if you know your people you know that you've caused yourself a bigger problem <laughs> true i i could agree especially with I guess with some of our Ghanaian people, and I'll say this in all niceness, by the way. Um, <laughs> ne- I try. Next, uh, another, I mean, of course, we all know that what's literally. Your, what's the, your take, though? My take, personally. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It threw me off, guys. Um, my take, I personally think that I am extremely impressed, and I shouldn't, to be honest, because Nigel said it. We shouldn't have our benchmark against any other nation but other than our own self. But I'm extremely impressed by the leadership and by the, in a way, prompt actions that have been taken, especially when you compare it to countries in which I've even lived. So with Italy, the UK, where you'd expect for all of this to be really contained as much as they can, nothing has really been taken, nothing has really been done promptly until the situation has really become dire. So it really shows how unserious and how unprepared they were for this. And uh, personally, I also think, even though I am very gutted that this sister will not be in Ghana, I am still very, I'm still very proud of how, even even if it's just a soundbite, of how they've really shown the interest and the passion for people. So I was reading today how the president, President Nana Kufado, decided to call in a cross-party meeting, really bringing different people together, started ratifying laws, bills. And this really shows that at the moment it's not about politics, it's about human lives. And definitely, I think that this is very inspiring and very impressive in terms of we need this type of leadership. We haven't really seen this leadership, not even in the West. So kudos to to my country. Indeed. No, I think think they're doing doing well. Um, 
we just hope that the cases <sighs> the cases go down as quickly yeah. as possible um you know because the, the truth of the matter is mm. should it start to get out of hand and and if we're honest nobody would know the true figure of who has of coronavirus or not in ghana um again we, we don't know how testing is going um if, if there's mass testing going on at all but if it if it was to suddenly start to spiral out of control um that would be would cause a massive problem to our health our healthcare system which we all know isn't exactly <laughs> where it should be either well exactly um, and, also, and also, if you just take our behaviours as Ghanaians anyway, like we know what our people are like, like you said, um, there's a lot of things we probably wouldn't be adhering to. I know right now, not everybody's adhering to them. you know, the, the shutdown, and I guess it's the same everywhere. Um, how would we be coping in a situation where we start to have thousands of cases? I mean, yeah. do we even have thousands of beds? Do we have thousands exactly. of ICUs? You know, um, so. As, as well as we are doing in currently, well, in the start of this um, this epidemic or pandemic, should we say, um, we also have to be mindful of the fact that, you know, whilst we are trying to deal with it as it is now, okay, how can we also put in place um, procedures and invest in the healthcare mm-hmm. system so that should things like this happen again, or even whilst this is happening, we're not reactive um, with any of this, and we are going to be in a good place to be able to handle um, such issues in a much better way going forward. Um, because again, if, you, if we just speak of the fact that, okay, we've got an extension for another, let's say, week or two weeks, what happens after that? True. You know, um, coronavirus hasn't gone anywhere. Well, we'd love, we'd hope that it has gone in two weeks, but <laughs> what happens after the two weeks? True. Um during these two weeks, are we doing testing? You know, are we? How, and if so, how is that going to take place? Because if that, if it's the case of okay, we shut down for let's say near on a month, yeah. okay, at the end of this, after we open up, coronavirus could just spread even more. Hmm. Because what else? Yeah, what, else have we, what else have we done apart from locking mm. people up in their houses? True. You know, and again, I'm not. It's not to take away from the fact that what government have done is applaud that you know we can we can um you know give them you know a good a big IE call for that but at the same time uh when we open up what happens next yeah true no that's the thing that worries me is that like you know we know they've, they've spoken about the lack of ventilators we have something like 67 state-owned ventilators another 100 and 13 in the in the private sector and another 20 on its way um so i think they said that takes us roughly into like 200 ventilators no goodness no one's actually asking like but what's how many do how many does the country actually need in order to number one fight this but number two have a proper health system these are the moments where you know when they realized they had to fight coronavirus, a hundred million dollars just came out of nowhere. Or, <laughs> well, it didn't just come out of nowhere, it came from the IMF. But the they, magic tree, the magic tree. Yeah, they suddenly decided that they needed to put a hundred million into fighting this thing, right? And it's like, okay, so before then, did you know how many ventilators you might need in this country and where that money was going to come from? We've never heard of them saying prior to this, we need to buy another. 50, 100,000 ventilators into the country. That's just never been said before. 
Hmm. And no one's asking them. Now, in light of this, now that it, like, things like this will always shine such a bright light on your faults. Yeah. And the question is, do you just wait till it passes or do you actually deal with your faults when you have the opportunity? You know, if they don't do it right now, it's not going to happen in Ghana um, in the future, I don't think. 100%. And I think I'll probably add to that as well that... Um when it comes down to the research in regards to a case of how many ventilators do we need and mm-hmm. all of this type of stuff, are we are we actively engaging our academics, institution, institutions at this moment um, to figure out um, a solution for us? Or are we waiting for the WHO? Are we waiting for the US? Are we waiting <laughs> for the UK to come out with a solution and then we're just taking it like that? Um, it's a time to really look at ourselves and see what we can do for ourselves in that respect. Because at the end of the day, if we're going to be sitting around waiting for China and everyone else to give us a solution, one, that might take time. Two, that's going to cost a lot of money that apparently we don't have. So mm. we have institutions for a reason. Sure. Use them. You know, we, sh- we should, the same way that the UK are using Imperial, whoever, um, and okay, we could say they're not doing a good job. But at the same time, the institutions are there you know, we have academics that are there. We have scientists that are there that can probably think of solutions and not just um, exactly. for for Africa, for the world, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Mm. You know, it's an it's an opportunity. You know, um, we have our way. We have our own ways of dealing with um, health. You know, and um, we can partner up with other African nations um, to see what mm-hmm. we can do for this and other and other things. But are we doing it? Or are we just being reactive and are we waiting for somebody else to tell us that, okay, this is the cure and whatnot? So, exactly. That's very you smart. Know, it, I mean, like I say again, I'll, I'll reiterate, this isn't to um, play down the efforts because um, it's a trying time for all nations and all governments and all people. But at the same time, it's also an opportunity for us to position ourselves effectively for the future. Um, I love that. Invest if it is, you know, a hundred million or whatever it is we manage to shake out from somewhere, how can we invest that properly? Um, as opposed to just using it for today's problem. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. That's very I love the thing that you said about being proactive rather than reactive. And I think that this is the time to really be positioned at the forefront and be finally in the driving seat together with other nations because we've really shown that we can do leadership we've shown that we can be we can take effective decision and as well impactful decisions so why not just extend it to different areas uh another thing in the news um here you are so It says, African Airlines, and this is from Joy Online News, and it says, African Airlines lose up to $4.4 billion in revenue following the spread of coronavirus. Briefly, it literally says that multiple flights have been cancelled or temporarily suspended across Africa as airlines struggle to cope with falling demand due to the spread of coronavirus. From Rwanda, Air Mauritius, and to to many more, many have suspended international, international flights and according to the International Air Transport Association, YATA, Africa might be having to look into solutions to be able to to be able to face the decline in international bookings and also domestic bookings. 
So, thoughts to, to both of you. What can it be done? What can we do? I mean, we all know aviation across the board in the world is literally in decline. So, however, similar to what Nigel spoke about, is this an opportunity? I mean, mindful that Ghana still hasn't got his national career, which I will leave all my comments for the, for the meantime. But do you think that this could be an opportunity? Do you think that something either proactive or reactive can be done? And if so, what could it be? Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to talk much on this one because I know that the businessman is in the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the guy, the guy that's got just a couple of two business, two or three businesses here and there. Yeah, oh, well, just a few, just a few, just a few. Yeah, just a few <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I think I think Ghana is kind of lucky. Um, starting up a, a, an airline we know is really expensive, and yeah. they were supposed to have done that last year. Oh, the year before that and then last year. Um, the fact that we don't have one means that we haven't lost money on money lost. Mm. Um, but um, listen, Africa can bounce back no matter what. This isn't this isn't the worst thing that's happened to Africa <laughs> as a continent. So um, I, I'm not worried. Um, obviously, mm. all the airlines are losing money all over the place. So I'm sure that if Ethiopian Airlines, you know, becomes the first to bounce back and you know open up this the important routes they'll make the money when british airways are still grounded or when united <laughs> airlines are still grounded um yeah i for me the economy is just it's whether we're all going to rally around the continent or whether the world is going to use this as an excuse to avoid africa yet again um this isn't our virus you know, so hopefully they don't <laughs> think that way. You know, hopefully they, they don't behave that way. And hopefully we ourselves don't behave that way. We had the best December in like in forever with all the African Americans and all the diasporas from Europe and everywhere else coming back and the amount of money that we were all willing to put into our home economy because it's our home economy. Yeah. If we can keep that energy and keep that mindset, our home economies will be fine. Um <clears throat> or should be better than than you know, but um, but if we decide to turn our back on the continent because we're scared of viruses that we've lived through in our host countries, then obviously then then we're back to square one, um, and then we'll just have to I don't know listen to some more charity songs about how to help the continent. You know? So let them know it's Christmas <laughs> time at all. That was a banger, though. Let's uh, be honest. Yeah, I, that's, that's my t- <laughs> that was a banger. <laughs> I mean, I don't agree, but I, know, I, don't I, never, I, never, I never bought the track. I just had to. <laughs> okay, now, now you're really but, shaming me. Um, yeah. I was joking, guys. I've never bought that. I was joking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, Nigel, I mean, are you worried for your companies? Company? <laughs> no. Um... Straight up. In crisis, there's always opportunity, isn't it? So I think even at this moment in time, people are finding ways to make money. <laughs> um, and again, like I previously said, this is actually an opportunity for African governments to position themselves. I mean, aviation industry worldwide is taking a pounding um, and it probably won't be the same. Um, well, the world isn't going to be the same after this. Um, 
some a lot of airlines will probably fold. And it has to happen every you know every couple of decades we go through these types of issues. Well, not viruses, but we go through economic um, turmoil, recessions, and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. um, so for for me, I just see it as we as as a country should use these opportunities to reposition ourselves. I mean, it's a good thing we didn't start the airline yet because hmm. we would have taken a pounding. <laughs> we would have taken a massive pounding and that's um, that's public yeah. money that would have gone into that as well. And we, of course, we need yeah. that money to, to to invest in the nation properly. Um, so it's a good thing that didn't occur. Um, God has better plans for you. To... Sorry? Oh, no, I was just saying this is when God has better plans for his people, I guess. Let's leave it like that. I guess, or, you know, the minister was sleeping and this time it was good. But I'm joking. <laughs> 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 it worked out. <laughs> it worked out well. But, um, no, I think if, if we talk, okay, Africa went through a, a, a good mm, 18 months or so in regards to um, tourism and whatnot and investment. Um, I actually think that that won't change. Um especially amongst the diaspora, it might actually increase. Um, many of us right now that are wishing and hoping we were back home <laughs> during this crisis. I really feel attacked at the moment, so please stop. Yeah, and I'll tell you a little bit more. <laughs> many, many of us, many of, many of us um, that doesn't include me, wishing that they had um, Ghana passports so they could have at least tried to sneak in. Um, <laughs> how many people would, once this is done, will be applying for dual citizenship, you know, for Ghana yep. and other. Yep. Um, and how will they now see the world? You know, they we've spent, this is the first um, massive crisis for us in our generation, right, mm. where mm-hmm. it's a healthcare. It's, it's, this is regarding health. Any, any one of us can die. Um, and we've seen how God forbid. the West have reacted to it. And we're all looking to our continent, you know, with a little bit of envy, <laughs> you know, essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. But a lot of people to decide that when people that were indecisive um, to go back home, mm. to mm. really invest in Africa, to really invest in what they might see as a safe haven and whatnot, regardless of how it's seen, it could aid. It will all aid um, the economies of African nations, especially Ghana. And like you said, Ghana is in a privileged position where we kind of have that diaspora crown if you want to call it as the first pit stop yeah. and whatnot and amongst amongst all the african um presidents as well during this crisis is probably um nano kufredo that's been heard and seen the most um from diasporans mm-hmm. not just Ghanaians. so it will really i actually think it will aid us a lot more i don't think we're going to have too many issues especially if we put the right messaging out there too um, there was a lot of work done last year in regards mm. to uh, a year of return. Probably going to have to do that times ten um, for this year and and you know for the next decade or so. I mean, it, this goes back into the whole. There has to be a real push. Um, what what are the reasonings for people to come home? You know, now is a really really good opportunity to sit back and position ourselves effectively with the correct messaging and then also with the message and have actions in the background that make it easier for people to do so. Um, so in regards to, you know, tourism and 
economies and aviation on aviation will take a pound in regardless but they'll bounce back everyone's going to want to travel anyway um 9 11 happened it people mm, children um yeah. but that's within man how everybody wants to travel everybody would want to travel um mm. as long as people feel safe too they will and as long as they can afford to they also will so aviation won't have a problem some some airlines will fall such as life um the economies though yeah they will struggle a little bit but again how can we go back to 911 and there was fear of whether the aviation industry will recover and it not only recovered it surpassed numbers that it was there before um essentially because people felt safe um and people would want to travel people would be like traveling you know um especially in this part of the world so there won't be any I don't I don't think um, there'll be any issues with um, the aviation getting back to the levels that it was at before. Um there will be some um airlines that probably have to fold, but again, this is part of life, it's part of business, it happens. Um economies themselves, especially African economies, um and we speak specifically of Ghana. Um it, you know, to have a shutdown for a month is a big deal. Um, and there will be an effect, a financial effect in that respect as well. But, but I do believe we'll we'll bounce back. And again, the word the word for today for me is just always opportunity. Um, seeing it as an opportunity. Okay, so how can we prevent ourselves from these shocks in the future? How can we better position ourselves? How can we look inward or continental wide? And then also from a, a worldwide perspective, how can we? Um, protect ourselves in the future from these type of shocks and have a thriving economy so that when these things happen because they will disasters happen when these things happen we'll be in a much better position um to where if we do need to lock off the country for more than a month or so you know we have the financial reserves and what not to be able to do that um, and to also look after our people which include the vulnerable also yeah. um and the vulnerable are very important in the, in this matter too um which and sometimes they don't get spoken of um when you're doing a shutdown where are people that live on live outside where are they where are they people the homeless where are they and um, the disabled how are we helping them um so you know for me again it's just a way we should look at this as okay how can we kind of restart put hit the reset button and really really move forward as a country no yeah you're right um thanks a lot for that definitely do- it definitely does make sense and i love what you said about opportunity of course there are crises but there's also the chance to see to see through it which like you rightly said is about is about looking at what can we create what we uh, what can we produce how we how can we how can we help the different nations as well i think not just us because i think that both you and charlene really touched on a very important point which was how for example if Ghanaians uh, are we pushing to get different academics health practitioners and uh, researchers to be in the lab to work together find solutions cures and can we do it as a an intra intra-african cooperation so yeah absolutely i agree Yeah, that would be very interesting, I believe. <laughs> what do you 
intercontinental. No, I think an intracontinental, more of an intracontinental. I would love to say an infra one, especially because let's face it, uh, South Africa, I believe, have got the structures, the know-how, the intelligence. So why not? I mean, we've all got intelligence. I mean, we can all we can all play our part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where it's like for the continent, um, they you know we just have to build ourselves individually as countries so that the the sum of the collective is greater than its parts, right? Yeah. Um, so if if Ghana focuses on what Ghana needs, um, it will find itself a lot more helpful to the rest of the continent. And if everyone does that, then the continent would be stronger. Um, but if Ghana relies on the idea that South Africa has what Ghana doesn't have, um, <laughs> one day that relationship will be stretched. Let's be honest, you know. So. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So now that will take us to one of the questions because, okay, yeah. pardon. Well, What's been going on? <laughs> What's been going on? So much is going on. I mean, we are all locked down in the house, but yeah, so much is going on. Um, yeah, so this is one of the questions that I think so many people, not have been asking, but I think it's important to ask ourselves. So, different people from different, uh, and we all know, we all have that auntie or uncle that will send us that WhatsApp message. Uh, talking all about the fact that Ghana is doing this, this is what's happening, guys, let's pray for the country. We all do. Let's not front it. However, something that I believe we should also touch on. So many people now, I've seen these messages going around, which is, do you think that now perhaps some of the current leadership is using this, uh, this opportunity to, to be autocratic, to really start imposing martial laws, to having the police abusing people? Uh, uh, and then by the same token, some people still asking, oh no, we really do need to get, for example, tough, uh, tougher laws when it comes to borders. We have had uh, apparently there were 22 Togolese that tried to get into Ghana, to smuggle into Ghana, which I would have never said it. So, the question for you both is, how do you think, how do you see the government doing when it comes to, do you think that there's been an increment in being autocratic when it comes to law? Second question is, is it needed? And thirdly, where do we draw a line to also ensure that civil society and civil liberties are respected and guaranteed? Hmm. Sure. Do you want to go first? Or? Um, yeah, go on and I'll go first. Um, uh, I think this is a hard one. So <laughs> I, I guess the best analogy I can use for this is the the lady, I think she was Indian, who was in the City Dia supermarket um, just maybe a day or two after the first case of um, corona in the country, and she was manhandled, right, and she was taken out of the, out of the shop um, quite forcefully. I didn't agree with how it was done, but mm. there's that. And, and everyone seemed to be saying that in these corona times, um, they are happy to look away when... Um, the security guards manhandle foreigners um, 
for the safety, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's it, like I don't, I don't, I don't want to agree with that. And like I fully, in fact, I've argued with any person about this. I don't agree with that. But in the large scale of things, you will have to see a level of an increase in strength from the state um, oh. in order to suppress this threat to the state. Um, and and I think that um, it's not autocratic. It's it's emergency powers. It's auto, auto like to be autocratic, to be authoritarian, to be totalitarian. It's a system you know, that you have to live within for a long period of time. Yeah. This is a um, a one-off, right? It's such a it's such a separate situation. Nobody is trying to say that um, this will be the case forever. It's very much defined quite clearly as a response to a biological issue. Like, they would have to somehow prolong the existence of the virus in the, in the country in order to justify prolonging the measures. Um, so this isn't like a fake war against a neighbouring country that, who are always there and therefore always a threat. This is very clearly the numbers are going to go up and then they're going to come down hopefully and if they don't come down we are still very much in threat so it's, it's, it's very easily defined and for that reason I don't think you can call what's gone on so far authoritarian or you know moving in that direction second of all I think it's laughable because the most of the most of the people who are pushing that agenda come from a party that came out of military oppression <laughs> Right? You so, are shaking a big table here. Like, let me let me hide. If some, if, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna shake. I'm gonna shake the table. If, if anyone wants to hold onto the table, if they get hurt, it's not my problem. <laughs> Back to the NDC came out of the PNC. The PNDC came out of the AFRC. They built a system of oppression, and so if they want to really talk about it, it's not. It they shouldn't be arguing with the one party who opposed that system for 20 years straight and got the country through pressure internationally and domestically um, got the country out of that system. Like you just can't, I'm sorry, it's just, it's just not possible. The MPP has in 2008, when the um, elections were tight, stepped down and allowed for another eight years of the NDC um, and have now obviously taken power and control at this moment in time. It is not in his interest to ruin his name with um, with oppression like so everyone just needs to chill um <laughs> and back down um and just let us get over this um and then in 2020 december hopefully um if everything is fine by then then we've got an election on our hands alternatively um if it's not okay then i don't want to see the elections at all um and i'd rather we postpone the election to 2021 wait 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 hang on so the question would you like them to see a default president but then doesn't he kind of negate the whole point of a democracy? Um, genuine question here, especially for my fellow listeners. You ask if, if I would rather see... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would rather we didn't have an election if, for the sake of public safety, it wasn't right. It wasn't the right time. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. And I'd push that back a year. And that I honestly have no problem with that because the country, there's no point having um, 25 to 30 million 
people at risk of dying within two weeks. Like, that's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, don't, I, I think the thing is as well, I don't have any fears that the MPP are going to abuse this position. I just don't have those fears. Um, maybe I'd think differently if it was the other way around, but I don't. <laughs> Interesting. I think um, I. Uh, I, I, I think that's I, like what? That one left? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think to be honest with you, I fully agree with it. Um, if let's say come August, September, October, this crisis is still going on, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever <laughs> to hold an election. I mean, you can't even hold mass mass gatherings or anything like that, and you will require people to be out. So then exactly. what happens? Um, exactly. You'll end up, you would also even get voter suppression anyway, because who's coming out of their house to vote, let alone, you know, the people aren't coming out to exactly. do anything. So just, you know, then could we do a virtual happen. one then? No, because we aren't prepared for it. Oh. We aren't. So there's, there's no point trying out things now that haven't been tested. Um, um, exactly. we will have a, you will have a lot of opposition um to postponing by the end of the day it's about the national interest that's 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 pretty much it and anyone that um will voice up against that you might want to look at them a little bit carefully and under and to see why they might be doing so um government isn't always right and of course they will always try to do things in their favor i mean who wouldn't we as normal people we do that as well we always want an advantage um but at the same time this is about nation um, and how best to protect the country. And if that means that you have to postpone for another year, then you postpone for another year. That's simple. I mean, and I'm sure exactly. the Constitution yeah. will allow something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's common sense, really. Um, and I, I agree fully with Shalina. In, in regards to heavy-handedness from state security um, agencies, whether that be uh, in Ghana or anywhere else. I think uh, it's a dicey one, to be honest, um, because the, this what, what's happening right now is a very real thing. Hmm. It is. And if the measures that they are putting in place require people to stay at home um, and people decide to go against that, the law must be enforced. Yeah. Um, State agencies do have a tendency at times to go a little bit overboard. Um, is there a risk that they can overstretch their hand? Yeah, they can, because you'll always have a few rogue people in, in any agencies, in anything at all. Um, I think mm -hmm. the, the key to this will be what happens after this crisis is over, essentially. Um, whether they do try to use this as a way to enforce enforce the law even more and actually it could work it could actually work to our advantage as a nation because let's let's face it um might be a bit controversial but let's face it at times uh, ghana can be a very lawless place um and shaking table alert sometimes we, sorry no guys can you do me a favor i think that i think the people at home also need to need to understand that I was not sat down and I wasn't ready. So every time you're shaking the table, let me know so I can get ready and be sat. <laughs> if not, I'm going to fall down all the time. Thank you. Uh, 
I, I think that again, like I said, it's important to is for us to see what will happen afterwards. Um, I, yeah. again, I'm looking yeah. at this whole thing as a well. um, how can we enforce laws that need to be enforced? Because clearly, <laughs> this situation has shown that when we need to do the right thing, we do. Yeah. As a government, as a people. Now, what do we need to do to make sure that that is an everyday occurrence and an everyday way of living? I don't, I don't support um, heavy, heavy handedness at all um, where it's not needed. And I wouldn't want to be in a situation or a state where that is encouraged. Um, but at the same time, if we talk of where we currently are um, as a country, one, in regards to this crisis, because there are still people um, going against the um, stay-at-home social distancing and whatnot, that's, that, there are still people going against that and living freely, <laughs> being on beaches, having beach <laughs> yeah. parties. That's still going yeah. on, Imagine. right? Um, in that type of situation, what do you do? you are going to have to enforce the law and that's and with some people you're going to have to do it a bit um going to be a bit heavy-handed i mean there's a rod in the staff right <laughs> if people if if the staff doesn't work what are you going to use mm. the rod at times occasionally yeah. and that's just mm-hmm. in the sense you will have to be heavy-handed but I, again i think that it's going to be the, the thing to watch will be what happens afterwards um how we how we will handle that going forward i don't think we're going to have too many issues because um well, with this particular government um, and the party in itself, in which um, Johnny was talking about, don't have a history of that um, at all. But you never know. So I, I first, I just say watch this space. I just say mm. watch this space because we don't really know. Um, yeah. We've seen, seen these. Um, I do think at the same time the people are people. People are more um, what's the word vigilant now as well, and they're going to protect their democracy. I think mm. that's we can have faith in the people for that. Yeah, and for Ghana, that's definitely a, a thing that would definitely be the case. That's one. That's one thing we would definitely fight for is is that freedom, um, mm-hmm. essentially. And all politicians in the country know that as well. And that's something that they won't ever. Well, we'd like to think they won't ever try to fight against. And we have we have a history of, of being a peaceful nation yeah. um, since the republic was formed, mm-hmm. um, and. Mm-hmm. If there is one thing that Ghanaians will fight for, is to keep that peace. Yeah, true. To keep that peace. Um, in that case, so yeah, that that's my take on that. Mm. No, that's a very interesting take. So, all in all, I think that it seems that yes, the current administration is doing something. I will guess somewhat positive. So, my question now to you is. So what kind of stance, and this will be the last question, so in terms amid the coronavirus crisis and this pandemic, then what should the opposition party do? Because it seems to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I really rely on very reliable sources, which is the WhatsApp text from Uncle and Auntis, and uh, of course Ghanaian news. But then it seems that, I know, right? But then, yeah, so literally, the opposition party seems to be same match, seems to be complaining quite a lot. And personally, I would say that this is not the right time to do politics. However, I also understand that's their job. They need to take, they need to make sure that the current administration is to be made accountable. So what would be your advice or what would be... Yeah. Yes. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. no worries. 
I don't know, maybe it was a sign from God they didn't want to, he wanted to interrupt you, I don't know, who knows. Oh, hello? Oh yeah, we, we've got the entire team back on, I don't know. Yeah, I can, I was telling Charlene that maybe that's, yeah, that was know. a sign from God. I don't know, who knows, he didn't want you to finish. <laughs> I joke, I joke. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you both. And uh, like Nigel rightly said in the in this last sentence, I think it's since everyone is at home now, that's the right time to bring our content and to really showcase what you're about. And this is for both parties. So for whichever party or whichever person would like to really showcase their, um, how would I put it? Yeah, to showcase the, um, what they would like to do for, for the country, for Ghana, the diaspora and, and all the rest. So, no, definitely, I totally agree with you both. And uh, thank you both for being with us and, uh, yeah, for starting this great new adventure and to really bring in more information, knowledge and uh, especially some new guests to the GPP, the Ghana Paradox Podcast. So, thanks a lot, Nigel. Thanks a lot, Charlene. And uh, until the next time.
Thank you very so much. Guys, this is uh, stay our... Stay safe, stay safe. I will try and definitely will stay safe. Wash your hands, folks. Wash your hands. Yeah, please do wash your hands. Make Sing sure. Happy birthday twice and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Shalim, behave, behave. <laughs> Leave my person alone, okay? He's, He's at home resting now, okay? <laughs> Poor him. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this is the right time for him to listen to the gpp maybe can learn one or two things from from uh, yeah from ghana and from uh, from you guys so yeah if mr boris if you're listening make sure you listen to the ghana products podcast we'll send you off to your email enjoy and wash your hand please you probably didn't buy enough toilet roll oh my goodness red card for all of you bye guys <laughs> take care Bye. 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 Bye.